Today is February 5th, 2021. Biden speaks at the National Prayer Breakfast. Republicans decide to choose reason. And the Super Bowl is this Sunday. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and Split the Difference family. We got another great episode for you here on this Friday morning, bringing you all the good from the left and from the right, all the difficult and the bad from the left and the right, and you know what we're doing, y'all. We're finding that sweet, sweet truth that lies right there in the middle. As I have been saying, if you have not listened to our guest episode, our first one that we've ever done, y'all have got to hop in and take a listen that came out this past Tuesday, and we may or may not be having another good guest episode coming up here soon in the next week or so as well. So stay tuned because I think that is going to be new content that we are trying to roll out to y'all. We got a lot of positive feedback from the last one, so hopefully... We're able to continue doing it, and y'all will continue to enjoy it. Remember, as always, y'all, we're going to hop in and we're going to do our best to try and not be divisive. We're going to try and look at all of the facts, all of the stuff that's going on in our country, and we're going to try and bring a little bit of community and a little bit of unity to the political conversation. I know that it's difficult right now because everything seems like it's divided, but there's oftentimes common ground and sweet truth that lives in the middle of the left and the right. So, without further ado... Let's hop on into our first story of the day, story number one. So for our first story of the day, the National Prayer Breakfast. So Biden spoke via video call at the National Prayer Breakfast yesterday morning. He used it to highlight a couple of things as most presidents tend to do, stuff about their policy, different things that they're wanting to get done uh, in the their agenda over the next couple of years, or really, I guess, for the year. It's normally an annual thing. Um, He renewed some of his calls for bipartisan working together. He is also only the second Catholic president, um, and he went in there and spoke and talked about his faith a good bit. Very, very interesting stuff. Um, And he said towards the end of the breakfast that the best place to turn right now is to faith. Very interesting. Biden's taking taking the whole faith route right now. So let's go ahead and hop in and take a quick look right now at uh, Biden speaking at that national prayer breakfast yesterday. You know, I've attended many of these prayer breakfasts over the years with a nation at war and struggle and strife, a nation of peace and in prosperity, a nation, though, always in prayer. But we know this time is different. Over 400,000 of our fellow Americans have lost their lives to a deadly virus. Millions are out of work. We see long lines for food at food banks that stretch for miles. We hear the call for racial justice some 400 years in the making, and we know the dream, and more importantly, the reality of justice for all cannot be deferred any longer. We see the existential threat of climate crisis that poses to our planet and everywhere we turn, with more severe floods, stronger hurricanes, more intense wildfires. We just have to open our eyes. We've just witnessed images that we've never imagined Images that now we'll never forget. A violent assault in the U.S. Capitol, an assault on our democracy, on our capital. A violent attack that threatened lives and took lives. We know now we must confront and defeat political extremism, white supremacy, and domestic terrorism. All right, so uh, there's Biden talking through 
I'm sorry. It's really tough for me to listen to Biden talk. Most of the time it sounds like he's fumbling or just kind of confused a little bit. But, you know, I guess that's just Biden. Honestly, I don't even think that's an age thing. I think that's how Biden's been for a really long time. So, uh, honestly, in a lot of ways, he, he kind of had about a four minute little speech, uh, at least the one that I was able to find for the most part, it was almost kind of a, I guess like a rehashing of his inaugural address. Obviously his inaugural address was much longer. Uh, that speech was somewhere around, I think 20 to 25 minutes. This was only around five, but he, um, he, he talked through a lot of, even honestly, the same lines. Like you heard that line in there. We see like the racial tension and stuff that, you know, that has been 400 years in the making. Like that was something that he used in his inaugural address as well. So you could tell that he was kind of maybe just rehashing some of that stuff, talking through some of the different points in his agenda that he wants to be able to make. Um, but, you know, that's that's to be expected. So the National Prayer Breakfast has been attended and it's been tended by and spoken at by presidents since Eisenhower in the 50s. Um, it normally is attended by uh, representatives and people high up in the political and business world uh, on both sides of the aisle. It is not necessarily for Republicans or just for Democrats. It is a bipartisan prayer breakfast. Um, and it actually, within their, I guess, statement, it's not specifically geared towards Christians, although that is the vast majority of the people that attend. Uh, I believe that Jewish people, Islamic people, there are, you know, plenty of other people are invited, but it's a primarily conservative Christian organization that puts it together every year. So you could kind of make the argument it's pretty much geared towards Christians. But, um, it normally has been a place where a president can go and kind of lay out a little bit of policy, some of their agenda, and talk and fellowship with other believers. Uh, over the past, uh, the vast majority of, I think, all of the presidents that we have had in the United States would probably claim some sort of faith or another. Um, and this is a place for them to be able to go talk to that group of people that are professing believers in whatever God probably the Christian God, um, and talk a little bit, eat some grub, you know, have a little bit of fun. Um, obviously Biden wasn't able to go this year, so he just video conferenced in, uh, but it's a good place for a, a president to be able to go in a comfortable and an easy setting to be able to kind of lay out the points that they want to lay out. I will say this looked starkly different than the speech that was given last year at the National Prayer Breakfast by Trump. I mean, starkly different. So in his speech last year, Trump held up a newspaper with the word acquitted in giant letters across the headline, and he used the, the, the prayer breakfast in large part to kind of bash his political opponents. He even called into question the faith of his political opponents in that speech as well. Uh, many at the time, both Republicans and Democrats, viewed it as kind of somewhat embarrassing. You'll remember that around this time last year, Trump was kind of coming off of the impeachment there in the House. So he, you know, I think was kind of fired up a little bit. Um, really, you know, kind of interesting, I think, to look at and to see how much the evangelical Christian community kind of went after Trump, even though Trump in so many ways was just like morally bankrupt. Um, but, you know, Whatever. I think at the end of the day, you're able to see a, a lot of people pandering to different political groups for different reasons. Um, and I mean, whatever. We'll get into that in a little bit. But Biden's message has definitely been consistent, okay, and wanting to bring unity to the country. This is something that he has talked about over and over and over again. 
is something that he has kind of drilled in through his inaugural address and now in through this national prayer breakfast speech where he's saying over and over that he wants to bring unity, that he wants for things to be, uh, you know, to not be so divisive, that he wants to be able to quell and push down political extremism was one thing that he said as well. Uh, He talked a good bit, of course, about his faith today, but he said, quote, these aren't Democrat and Republicans going hungry. They're our fellow Americans, fellow human beings. These aren't Democrats or Republicans going without health care. They're our fellow Americans, fellow human beings. They aren't Democrats and Republicans being evicted from their homes. They're our fellow Americans, fellow human beings. These aren't Democrats or Republicans losing their lives to this deadly virus. They are our fellow Americans and fellow human beings. So, You can tell that what he's trying to push forward towards is this idea that we can come together as a country and we can figure out and we can solve the problems by using bipartisan compromise, okay? But up until this point, the bipartisan push has kind of all just looked like talk, okay? Over the past two to three weeks since Biden has gotten into office, He has primarily focused on and pushed some very progressive and far left-leaning policies. And I've talked about this a little bit in my podcasts earlier this week. Um, But, you know, the only place where it looks like he's going to maybe start to push in more of a bipartisan direction is around this COVID stimulus and what all that will look like. He reviewed the plan that Republicans sent in, which is significantly smaller than his. And so far... He said that he's willing to compromise on some things. Uh, The White House and talking with some different media and stuff like that um, said that Biden realizes that everything that he wants in his bill likely won't get passed and he's willing to compromise on some things like the income level cut off for uh, stimulus checks. Uh, And at this point, I think it looks like it's his fellow Democrats in Congress that aren't willing to back down from getting something passed as opposed to Joe Biden not being willing to back down in order to get something passed, right? So I think that what's going to end up happening is it's going to be a huge uphill battle. I mean, a huge uphill struggle if Biden really wants to have bipartisan working together and compromise. And it honestly is probably not going to be the Republicans that he has to gain the trust of. It's going to be the Democrats. And he's going to have to convince the people within his own caucus that they need to be able to work together with the Republicans in order to get things done. Because right now, the Democrats are not happy with the Republicans. Obviously, you could say the same thing the other way around as well. But there's no trust there at all. And if Biden wants to be, you know, the great harbinger of change, the person that is bringing both of these two parties together to work through different difficulties and through problems that our country is facing, then he's going to have to get into his own caucus. He's going to have to gain their support and gain their trust and say, listen, I know that right now you hate the guys on the other side of the aisle, but for the good of our country, we have to be willing to compromise and we have to be willing to be able to seek bills to be passed that will be beneficial for both sides of the aisle, not just the things that you want. Don't just push your policy. Going to be very, very difficult for him to be able to convince them to do that. So, um, I, I think that right now there are a lot of Republicans that were looking at, uh, him speaking at the prayer breakfast and kind of thinking that he was full of it. Um, I like how I was saying earlier, politicians always pander to certain crowds, right? Always do it for Trump. 
the big people that he pandered to were the Christians, okay? Donald Trump coming into office was never known as this morally astute, uprighteous person, right? And I think that most people, most Republicans would still argue that they don't necessarily view him as the moral compass of the country, right? But Donald Trump clearly tried to paint himself in the light of being a Christian, okay? He wanted to paint himself as someone that is a good person, that is a moral person, that, you know, he would he would go and meet with pastors and, and pray with people and stuff like that. But before Donald before 2015, Donald Trump had never been known as somebody that was keenly aware of his religious standing, right? Ever okay, and the evangelical jumping onto the bandwagon of Donald Trump of after he went to Liberty University in 2015, and it said that his favorite passage was out of two Corinthians, right? The evangelicals jumping on that Trump bandwagon is absolutely unbelievable. But you know, Republicans are okay with that, just in the same way that Democrats are okay with Joe Biden going and pandering to minority groups, right? Joe Biden spent so much of his campaign actively and openly pandering to minority groups and minority communities, right? And even though Joe Biden has said some incredibly racist things over the past 40 years, and the amount of gaffes that he has saying stuff that's just like, dude, come on. He knew that he wasn't going to win unless he got the vote of the minorities, so in order to do that, he went and spoke at, you know, HBCUs. He, uh, you know, spoke to primarily minority communities and talked to them and was like, I'm your guy. I'm going to be here to, you know, to save you guys and pull you out of this mire that you're in. Right. But at the end of the day, a lot of it is pandering. It's so much of what politics is. But with all of that, I really do hope that, you know, Biden's message for unity actually brings some bit of unity. I, you know, personally think that he's making this, you know, progressive push in the beginning so that he can gain the trust of those progressives in his caucus that don't trust him right now, that know him to be as more of a moderate. And hopefully he's able to kind of bring everybody in and together a little bit and unite somewhat around, all right, we've got to pull this country out of where it is right now. But you don't know until you see the rubber hit the road. Right now, the rubber's hitting the road, and it looks like Joe Biden's sitting in the back seat, kind of confused about where he's going. So, with all of that having been said, that's the end of our first story of the day. Let's hop on into story number two. So, for our second story of the day, Liz Cheney has held her spot as the third in line for the GOP in the House of Representatives. So, this week in the House, the Republicans really had to put their money where their mouth is, okay? And it was it was because another Republican, you know, made them do it. But uh, the Republicans, I think, are at a huge identity crisis, right? And we've talked about this a ton over the past couple weeks. But the Republicans are trying to figure out who they're going to be, you know, PT, okay? Post-Trump. Who they're going to be? Who are they going to be? This brash populist party, right? That is going to seek this wave of nationalism, right? And you know, take along with it a lot of the difficulty that comes with that. A lot of the white supremacists that are kind of feel emboldened by that. Are they going to take or you know? push the other way of more traditional GOP values and be like, no, we're going to try and take the moral high ground, right? We're going to try and be the people that are pushing more fiscal and monetary responsibility. We're going to be pro-business. We're going to be free and open markets. What are the GOP going to be, right? Are they going to be conspiracy theorists and absolute lunatics, or are they going to be more moderate and understandable and actually try to win the election in 2024? So, 
Um, we talked about earlier this week, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, all right, <laughs> who is, whoo, she is, she's a character. So uh, and we talked about all the debate in the Republican Party as to like what they're going to do with her because she's absolutely bonkers. So another portion of this debate lying along what the identity of the Republican Party is going to be, took place in a secret GOP vote that was held on Wednesday, okay? And this vote was specifically surrounding whether or not to remove Liz Cheney from her position of leadership within the GOP. So Liz Cheney is the daughter of former Republican Dick Cheney. He served under um, with George Bush. Very, very popular Republican for a little while, although I don't know that he held all of his popularity uh, nearly that long after the Bush White House, Bush administration. But Liz Cheney was the only person in GOP leadership and only one of 10 Republicans in the House that voted to impeach Donald Trump. As a result, she got in some seriously hot water with a lot of the Trump loyalists in the Republican Party that are in the House of Representatives. One of those people was Dan Bishop. He's a representative, a Republican out of North Carolina, and he put forth a resolution to remove Liz Cheney from her leadership positions. Okay, This sparked an hours-long debate on Wednesday where Republicans got up and argued back and forth about whether or not they were going to keep her in her post. You know, Liz Cheney was able to get up and argue. Kevin McCarthy, the House minority leader got up and spoke and whatnot. And uh, she got up and said, there's never been a greater betrayal by a president of the United States of his office and his oath to the constitution. She totally stood by her vote to impeach Donald Trump. She totally said that she was not going to back down. She has been a fierce critic of Trump. That is not going away anytime soon. She is your standard traditional GOP Republican. And she was not a fan. She was in that never Trump group okay so ultimately though the resolution was voted down 145 to 61 okay so dramatic shutting down of that resolution to remove her from her position so she held her position i think this says a couple of things first the overall republican party realizes that it can't continue to fall in line with trump okay this is very very simple if you voted to impeach Trump, it had nothing to do with whether or not you thought that what he did was wrong. It was very simply a purity test. There are some Republicans that are looking at that and they're like, it doesn't matter if you think what Trump did was wrong or not. What matters is, did you vote to impeach him? And if you did, you're not one of us. We don't want you in our group. We don't want you in our tribe. You are not one of us because we are with Trump and obviously you are not. Right. And it gets to the larger question as to whether or not the Republicans are going to display that Trump is still the leader of the party, even though he is gone, or if they're going to maneuver and push somewhere else. Liz Cheney, Mitch McConnell, a lot of these more traditional GOP Republicans are looking around and they're like, dude, it's it's got to stop. Right. And so far, they've been the only ones that have been open about it and said it in public. Right. But this gets on to my second point. So the second thing about this was that it was a secret vote, okay? Meaning the names of the representatives and how they voted would not be released. And the resolution was handily voted down, okay? In the past, when Republicans' names have actually been put 
pen to paper as to whether or not they're going to vote on something that would be good for Trump or bad for Trump, there are a lot of Republicans that are extremely nervous about doing that. That's why so many Republicans in the Senate right now are absolutely terrified about having to vote on whether or not to impeach Trump. Because if they don't vote to impeach him, a lot of people are looking at him and they're like, dude, the president obviously did an impeachable offense. What he did was not good at all, right? And you'd voted not to impeach him. But if they do vote to impeach him, then you have all the Trump loyalists that are looking at you and they're saying, you're not in the GOP anymore because the GOP falls in line with Trump, okay? So with all of that, with the what what this tells me is that with it being a secret vote, okay, nobody's name's going out. How the GOP really wants to go is way away from Trump, okay? The GOP does not want to be falling in line with Donald Trump anymore because they realize how destructive he has been to the party. They're basically like, listen, if nobody knows how I'm voting, of course I'm not going to be voting for Trump. Because Donald Trump has come in and totally changed the identity in the course of what the Republican Party looks like and what we're, you know, what we're all about, right? I'm going to be voting with people that are more traditional GOP that like hold up the Republican values so much more than what Donald Trump did, okay? But as soon as they have to put their pen, their name to a piece of paper, right, they're worried that they're going to lose that constituency base that's going to be voting them in that are fierce Trump loyalists. There is no doubt and there's no arguing. Donald Trump turned out more Republicans than have ever turned out to vote for an election, okay? That man was bringing people out of the woodwork, especially in 2020, in order to be able to get himself pushed straight to the top. Well, if you go against Trump and you go against his agenda, even though he's out of office right now, may not be the best for you. So in order for the Republicans to move forward, not having the identity as Donald Trump, they're going to have to figure out a way to position themselves as still being for a lot of the values and the policy that a lot of people liked about Donald Trump without all of the craziness and without all of the antics. They're going to have to show that they're level-headed. They're going to have to show that they're reasonable right? That's my mantra here on this podcast. They're going to have to show that they're willing to be able to compromise a little bit, be able to get good policy pushed through. They're going to have to show the American people that they are worth putting in, and they're going to have to point out the hypocrisy and the craziness on the other side. Now, all of that is just standard politics. Of course, how do you get elected? Well, you convince your constituents that the other person's worse than you. Standard. But I think that uh, this vote is very, very, very telling as to how the Republican Party is going to want to move going forward, right? And I think that it's going to be away from the craziness of Trump. I think that if they don't do that, and I've said this over and over again, it will mean the absolute detriment of the Republican Party, right? The Republican Party is already in shambles. It will be even worse if they refuse to back down from this Donald Trump-led and controlled Republican Party. But we will have to see how it all goes down. I am very, very glad that Liz Cheney kept her position because honestly, I think she's one of the more reasonable Republicans out there. So with all of that having been said, let's hop on into our last story, our third story, story number three. So for our third story of the day, I normally don't do this, okay? I hardly ever cover anything that's more kind of like pop culture type stuff. However, the Super Bowl only happens once a year and I'm pretty stoked about it. I think it is going to be an extremely fun game. And I say that for a multitude of reasons, okay? 
One, you have one of the best quarterback matchups in the entirety of the NFL going down in Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes is the young stud. He is a star getting out there slinging passes all the way down the field to Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, some of the, I mean, one of the best receiving cores in the league. I mean, they are all incredibly fast, incredibly talented. And Patrick Mahomes is one of the best at getting that ball into the touchdown. But he's going up against Tom Brady, 43-year-old Tom Brady. What? Like, okay, first of all, there's no excuse for a man being 43 years old and being able to go out there and play in a Super Bowl. No excuse at all. That man is unbelievable. Straight up alien that he is still in that good of shape. And he's going down there and slinging the ball down the field like that. Unbelievable. There's so much history here that can be made. I think if Tom Brady goes in there and wins the Super Bowl, that man is retiring for sure, okay? And all of the hype around Tom Brady, you know, being at the Patriots for years and years, and the only reason why he won so much was because of the system. The only reason why he won so much was because of Bill Belichick. The only reason why he won so much was because they they were able to get, recruit the best players in the league, right? Well, he decides to pick up and leave on a one-year contract to a team a thousand miles away from up in New England, right, and go down to Tampa Bay and immediately turns that team into a Super Bowl contending team. There is no argument at all whatsoever. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. He is the GOAT, the number one best quarterback that has ever done it. And if he wins, I believe this will be his seventh Super Bowl ring, there will, I don't see anybody else ever being able to construct and get a dynasty together to be able to beat Tom Brady's records right now. He is absolutely unbelievable. And with Rob Gronkowski, with Mike Evans on there in that receiving core, just they, I mean, the, the two teams going at it are going to be so good. So definitely tune into the Super Bowl. I am super excited for it. That's also, I don't really have to do a made me smile because that's going to be my made me smile for this weekend. I am so excited to be able to go sit back, just do some good old fashioned American hanging out, chilling, watching some football, eating some wings and some good grub and having a good time. So hope that y'all do the exact same thing. We're going to go ahead and finish up our show there. A little bit of a shorter show today, but that's because, you know, a lot of the stuff topics, a lot of the stuff that we have going on right now, you know, are honestly, you know, we're kind of just waiting for next week with this impeachment trial, which of course we will get into and cover all over the place. So with all of that, that is the end of our show. Thank you for stopping in, for checking us out. As always, remember, Find me on Instagram at Split the Difference Podcast. I'm on YouTube at Split the Difference, Facebook at Split the Difference, and of course, my website at SplitTheDifference.com. Just one T. Drop me a like, drop me a subscribe and a five-star review. All that stuff goes a really far way. Share me around to all your friends and family because, of course, that helps me out so much. Hope you guys are looking forward to hopefully, you know, listening into another guest episode here soon. If, you, Like I said, if you haven't listened to the previous one, definitely listen to that one as well. Let me know what y'all think. You know, give me some of your comments and some of your feedback. I love that stuff and it helps me so much in kind of constructing and getting together the content that I roll out for y'all. So as always, y'all remember, we're going to do our best to be level-headed. We're going to always stay reasonable. And of course, we're going to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.